Good morning, y'all. C3 Memphis is live in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Turn the lights on, Justin. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we're going to sing some songs this morning. We're going we're gonna to worship together. We encourage you guys to join us. Come on in. Larry's going to do some preaching, and Sherry's going to preach too. And uh, we hope you share the, the live stream here with your friends. We encourage you to worship us. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. morning, C3 family. This is our call to worship for today. As we enter into his presence, let us remember that God is with us because he loves us. Today, I'm reading Psalm 65, 8. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call for songs of joy. O merciful creator, your hand is open wide to satisfy the needs of every living creature. Make us always thankful for your loving providence and grant that we, remembering the account that we must one day give, may be faithful stewards of your good gifts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Robin, for the call to worship. 
Uh, we're going to play a song called Build My Life. Uh, the reason I picked it is because there's a, the end of the chorus says, fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I felt like that was a good song for us with uh, everything that's going on in the world this, right now. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wander and show me and fill me with your love and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wander and show me who you are and fill me with your love and lead me in your love. Cause I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken, and I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up 
firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. Good morning. Welcome again to Christ Community Church. And thank you guys. That was so good. Thank you. These Great. guys get here early, early, set up, rehearse. And anyway, um, thank you for that. And sound great, don't they? They sound they marvelous. They and they get here real early. They I mean, do. crack of noon for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to open with uh, a reminder to some of you about an old Saturday Night Live sketch, but it's pretty old, like we are. Like we are. Way back in the we, 70s. Yeah, we were dating yeah, yeah, when we yeah. watched it. Yeah. And it was a Chevy Chase and Gilda Radner thing, so that's how far back it goes. But you can look it up if you want to. And Gilda Radner was on a, um, uh, she was an editorialist for the Nightly News. And Chevy Chase was doing the news, and she came in, her name was Emily Latella, and she got everything confused. And so one night, uh, Chevy Chase said, Emily Latella is going to talk to us about violence on television. And she says, ooh, ooh, she's a very old character. Ooh, I just love violins on TV. I think it's wonderful. The children can hear all about Leonard Bernstein and music appreciation. I think we should have more violins on TV. The whole time, Chevy Chase is trying to stop, stop, stop her to say, finally, no, 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 no. It's not violins on TV. You're supposed to talk about violence on TV, and she always does the same thing. She'll say, oh, never mind. <laughs> um, Emily Latella, in that great classic sketch, missed the point. She missed the she point. She just missed the point. She <clears throat> was supposed to talk about one thing, and she talked about a thing that was sounded like the thing. <laughs> so, uh, close, Cl well, but no cigar. But no cigar. <laughs> That's it was exactly just, right. It was a, she ended up doing and talking about a different thing. When I was in high school, you remember, I played a little high school football. Yeah. And a little tennis. Yes. And a little golf. Yes. And you at were least, quite the athlete. Yes, I was. And in uh, all three of those sports, and in most sports, uh, especially sports that include a ball, um, the number one rule for success in those sports is uh, keep your eye on the ball. Because it doesn't matter how fast you are, how strong you are, how talented you are, if you miss the ball, you don't do good in the sport, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the same is true, um, a, a story that comes to mind, the same is true, in, in I'm a teacher, and uh, about a person who kind of lost her sight of the ball. Years ago, I worked with a woman who um, was supposed to be teaching English in the English department. <laughs> And she did. She was hired to teach. She was that. hired to teach English. She did. But she also did a lot of other things, which is not bad necessarily. But she talked to the girls a great deal about their behavior. She talked to the girls a great deal about their health and the, and the food that they ate. She talked a whole lot about current events. All of those things are not necessarily bad because in the literature class, you do that anyway. Something comes up from an old piece mm -hmm. of literature and we say, oh, look, it's relevant today. The problem was that she did ended up doing more of that than she did teaching what she was hired to teach. So, so if the question came up, well, did you get around to teaching Macbeth? Well, no, because we were talking about 
habits and this yeah. and that and, and what yeah. was going on in the in the yeah. in the culture and what you were how you were exercising and all that sort of thing. Anyway, she never she never did get back to what she was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and that is teaching English primarily. The ball was teaching English literature. That's the job. That's the b- yeah. job. The other That's the ball. The yeah. other is good, but supplementary. Yeah. And um, eventually it didn't work. And, yeah. and And so she she never could focus. On the ball. On the ball. No yeah. greater problem. Yeah. In my opinion, no greater threat to success really in any area of life than to not keep your eye on the ball. Right. Whether it's marriage or parenting or finances or your job. What are we supposed to be doing what, here? What, what's the ball? Right. What, what's, the, what's the primary goal and focus? And when we get our eyes off of that in any area of life, uh, we wind up sacrificing real success. Yeah, and doing something else. Yes, yeah. we just get off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk today about something, and I hope y'all will stick with me until we're through, and then you can... Uh, ponder it and criticize me if you'd like to, but, um, you know, there's a subtle, sometimes not so subtle, criticism out there, Shirley, against this made against the church uh, for not doing a better job, uh, or for not doing an effective job of addressing and uh, bettering the grave problems in our society. We're not doing, the church is not doing an effective job of, of making things better in our society. And no one, starting with me and you, uh, denies the church struggles at times. Uh, we don't do a good job at times. Our inconsistency, our failure, our blindness uh, to needs and problems and issues. That certainly is a history um, of that story. Yes, and uh, uh, the, our, you know, the, the criticism that we should do better and we should do more, there is truth there. But there is an underlying assumption by people that make that criticism that it's the church's job to fix the world, to fix the world's problems, to make the world a better place, to create world peace, if you will. And I want us to think today, I just want to suggest to you today that uh, the church is, in my opinion, the church's greatest danger and greatest threat is to get its eye off the ball and to focus on things other than what God has clearly told us to focus on. And so my question for us today is this. What did the people who knew Jesus best, who knew him personally and intimately and listened to him themselves, what was their focus when he died and rose again and ascended to heaven and left them to lead the church? What did that group of individuals, leaders and followers, leaders and disciples, what did that group of people believe the ball was for the church. And uh, I came across some, uh, some articles uh, that intrigued me, and I've spent a couple of weeks studying 
these articles, uh, just for those of you that were going to Google me to see if I'm telling you the truth or not, feel free. I got these articles from the Gospel Coalition, from Ravi Zacharias, from John Piper, from Tim Keller, and a number of others that I trust their integrity and honesty and historical accuracy. And I sort of compiled this from my study of all these, but it was very interesting. Um, They all shared things that the early church was known for, but better yet, notorious for. Hmm. Because these are things not that the early church said they believed and did. These are things that the early church's critics accused them of. Just to remind everybody, uh, in the first 300 years of the church's existence, um, no religious organization, no religious group has ever been persecuted as much as the early church. And the primary cause of that persecution was, was really the result of the early church's unwillingness to honor and worship the gods of their community, their city, their tribe, uh, the gods of the Roman Empire. And even more grievous to some, de- to some degree was their unwillingness to honor and worship as a god the emperor of the Roman Empire. And that really created great fear and threat among the peoples of the Roman society. Uh, and uh, this, was, this was, you know, pretty, it was obviously very serious, and it was very novel that a religious group would be, in, nobody minded you adding a god to the god you already believed in and worshipped mm-hmm. and honored. Nobody, that didn't bother anybody at all. It's when you said, this is my only God, and none of these other things are gods. I will not worship and honor as God anything or anyone other than this God. That's where it became problematic. And that was very radical for that day. And the, uh, uh, I just want to talk for a few minutes with you and with our folks that are with us about what what these critics, what these opponents of the New Testament church, when they saw and witnessed and watched the early church, what did the critics say that the early Christians were focused on, known for? What did the critics say that the ball was Mm. for the early Christians? Christians. This is what the critics said. You can say, well, I don't agree or disagree with that idea or issue. I'm I'm saying that the early critics of the New Testament church, they said that, and this was not a compliment, that when we watch the early Christians, this is what we see, this is what we hear that they are doing. And they were, this was all negatives for them. So let me give them to you real quickly. Number one. Oh, and by the way, all eight of these and go back and do your research and you'll see that this is right. These were absolutely new ideas, novel ideas, unprecedented, uh, unheard of things. No one in the world believed these things or did these things. These were absolutely novel and unique and unprecedented for the, for the world. So that's what differentiated the early church. That, this, these things were what differentiated the early church from all other groups, and this is why they were so criticized. Okay. 
and persecuted and attacked. So number one, the critics, uh, 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 these opponents of the early church criticized the early church for their commitment to individual religious identity. What that means is this, that before the New Testament church, a person's religion was really a part of their culture. It was a part of their national identity. You worship the gods of your family, your tribe, your, or your city. Um, unique to New Testament Christianity was this idea that you could choose and should choose your religion and your God. No one had ever heard of that before. Number two, and they were criticized for that. Sure. Number two, they saw it as a threat. It, it was scary that some people would be given the freedom to choose their own religion, choose their own God. Number two, the critics, uh, uh, the, the opponents to the New Testament church criticized the early church because of their message. You see in their writings, the letters that we have from these, these opponents, these critics of the church, and they, they would make these, these slanderous accusations, one of which is that every time you hear them talk about their religion, they talk about the gospel. This idea, this message, that a person can have an intimate relationship with God through faith in this person named Jesus Christ and his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They, they, they never talk about anything else. Think about that. That the early church was criticized and attacked because when the outside world heard them speaking, they didn't talk about anything but the gospel. That a person could have an intimate relationship with God by placing their faith in the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In contrast, that you could have a relationship with God by doing something, offering sacrifices, changing the way you lived, adding this, getting, removing this from your life. All of the religions of that day, I would suggest nothing's really changed, uh, said that to have a relationship with God, to find favor with God, to, to be pleasing in God's sight, you have to do things or not do things. But these early Christians, they kept they, they would not say anything other than this message that it's faith in this person named Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, that's what gives us favor and relationship with God. The early church believed that the gospel, when it was proclaimed, it would release God's spirit and God's kingdom into broken lives and into a broken world and create real and lasting change like nothing else. Third, the critics said negatively about the early church that they were committed to a new identity and a supreme loyalty to Christ. Uh, the early church never denied or ignored loyalty to other things. They actually taught that loyalty was a, no, a noble quality. You should be loyal. Loyal to your mate, to your family, to your work and employer, loyal uh, to your country, uh, loyal to your parents. Loyalty was a valuable and admired quality. But all loyalties, other than your loyalty to Christ, were secondary. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that all who are in Christ are new creations. 
And Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, Lord, may I never put anything before the cross of Jesus Christ. Ravi Zacharias made this statement. He said, Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. Christianity did not call people to be better, to be good, or to be nice. Christianity called people to change teams, change families, change kingdoms. There was a, there was a commitment of loyalty to Jesus Christ. That, that's what they were known for. The name Christian was a slanderous, derogatory name that non-Christians gave Christians. Oh, you're a follower of Christ. You're a Christian. Not a do-gooder. Not a, oh, you're one of those justice people. You're one of those uh, 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 anti-this or, or, or for... No, no. You're one of those followers of Jesus. Fourthly, the opponents of Christianity criticize early church for its commitment to develop nothing less than a multiracial, multicultural community that cut across all boundaries. If you read the criticisms of the early, uh, of, of the uh, people against the early church, one of the things that they consistently said is that in these gatherings, in these meetings, in these groups where early Christians gathered, there was a representation of all genders, financial levels, educational levels, classes, races, and nationalities, and they taught hmm. that everyone was not only equal, which they taught, but that everyone was one. We are equal and we are one. If you read in the book of Acts, the very first problem the early, that is mentioned that the early church faced was there were people in the church that were not being treated equally, were not being treated fairly. Some were being benefited better and differently than others. And the apostles, those that walked in, with Jesus and knew Jesus, they said, absolutely not. We're not putting up with that in any way. Fix this. Treat everybody equally. The, the first time we see the church select leaders, they're multicultural, they're multi-ethnic uh, leaders. Every spiritual community that we have any knowledge of, both in, the, uh, in Israel and throughout the Roman Empire, there is indications that it was filled with and led by diverse races and cultures. The very idea that the gospel went to the Gentiles. Yes, but not just that we're going to help them create their own groups uh, and they can stay apart from us. Everyone together. They, they blended together. Their communities, their spiritual communities were a mixture, a blend of different races, ethnic groups, and cultures. And then along with that, this idea that there was an absolute loyalty to the group, to the family, to the spiritual community that was actually equal to, this is what the critics said, their loyalty and devotion to their spiritual community is equal to their loyalty and devotion to its founder, Jesus Christ. This idea, oh, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. Are you in a local church? No. That was absolutely unheard of in that day. People's loyalty and devotion 
and involvement in their local spiritual community was equal to their devotion, devotion and loyalty to the Lord Jesus himself. Number five, the opponents of Christianity criticized the early church for its commitment to forgiveness and reconciliation. They were accused of taking literally its founder's words, if you don't forgive your enemies, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. And his prayer, Father, forgive me as I forgive my, as I forgive others. Christians in that day were regularly excluded, criticized, persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, and killed. And yet, within these local communities, their critics said that they rejected completely all unforgiveness, all criticism and attack of their enemies, and all retaliation. They would not not only would they not would they not retaliate, they wouldn't even criticize their enemies. And this was absolutely unknown, unheard of, unprecedented in a Middle Eastern world that is based upon vengeance. If you wrong me, I'm honor bound to wrong you. An eye for an eye. Uh, yes. But in this, the, the early church said, absolutely not. We, we, we must, if you're going to be a part of our group, if you're going to be a part of our, our family, you must practice forgiveness. It was, it was criticized. It was practiced so effectively. Uh, whatever number six, I guess it is. Um, they were criticized. The early church was criticized for its care for the poor and the suffering. Um, everybody in that day cared for their own. The, the poor and the suffering of their own family, their own village, their own tribe. But the early church practiced sacrificial and risky care of peoples of different classes, races, and religions. No one did that. The, the idea that Jesus taught this Good Samaritan, this Good Samaritan parable, unprecedented, unheard of that anybody would risk their life to care for somebody in need uh, and, it, and it endangered them. I think of your own school, St. Mary's. Um, it was founded on the idea uh, of a willingness to show great uh, care at great cost and risk to those that are sick and in need. Uh, and how that is defined and driven your mm-hmm. church for a hundred and, I don't know, 60 years or however long, 80 years, however long it's, uh, it's been. The women who founded it stayed yes. through the yellow, dim, uh, yellow fever epidemic. And the early Christians were criticized for that, that yep. they stayed when there were national, uh, uh, national disasters, when there was plagues, when there were floods, when there were wars. It was the Christians who stayed and risked their lives and gave their lives to give care to people that, not just their own, but people that were different than they were. They were also known and criticized, the early church was, for their commitment to the sanctity of life, to the unborn, the unwanted, the old, the terminally ill, the unproductive, and even to criminals. They valued life in a way that was different than any other group. Um, you know, we can get all hung up and focused on, the, on abortion, 
But the real, what the early church was really, they, they were, uh, they would not have participated in abortions. But abortion in that day was very uh, dangerous and it was not common. It was uncommon. What was very common was unwanted children being left out to die or sold into slavery. Um, and the early church stepped in and rescued unwanted and abandoned children and were criticized for doing so. And then lastly, their critics uh, uh, said about them, described them uh, in a negative light uh, that for their commitment to sexual purity and exclusivity. In the Roman Empire, women had to be sexually pure and, and sexually exclusive. That was expected of women. But men were not only allowed, they were encouraged to be sexually active with other men, with slaves, with prostitutes and children. It was a, a power thing. It was a control thing. I will have sex with as many people as I in my world to control them, to dominate them. And the early church said, absolutely not. That is wrong. You should have, sex should be reserved for marriage between a man and a woman. And the early church was the first to reject all double standards when it came to sexual activity based upon gender and class. So those are the eight things that the early church's critics said about them. Again, they were not bragging on them. These were scary, threatening things to the Roman Empire, to its society and its government. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a possession of God Himself. And then a few verses down he says, So live noble lives among the unsaved world, so that as they slander you, they will see your good works and glorify God. The New Testament church, Shirley, in all that I've studied, it seems that the New, Testament's prim New Testament church's primary job was not to so much to improve the world, but to call people out of the world into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yes, the church is supposed to be salt and light. Yes, the church is clearly supposed to reveal the love and the goodness of God. Yes, the church is absolutely uh, mandated to have a positive, good influence on a hurting and dark world. But I just want us to consider that it's unfair and it's unbiblical to criticize the church for embracing roles and responsibilities outside those given to us by its founder. Do I think that what I've taught today is the only uh, slice of the pie? No, but I think it's a slice of the pie that we need to think about and consider. Any thoughts? Nothing to add. <laughs> I know I've said a lot today. Lot. Yes. Much to think about. <laughs> yes, much to think about. And I want to thank y'all for joining us. Uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of the Son of God, the one who came and gave his life so that we could have relationship with God by our faith, through our faith, 
in that person, Jesus, and what he did when he died on the cross for us. So why don't you take this, eat some bread that represents the Lord's body. which represents the Lord's blood. The New Testament church would end the celebration of the Lord's table by declaring not only do we believe not only do we believe in what he did, we're declaring that he's coming again soon. Amen. I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I bless you today. I pray that we will think about and consider and ponder what we've discussed. And I pray that you would use it to change us and make us better, to help us focus more on the ball, what the real ball is. And I pray that it would be a blessing uh, to your kingdom and to your people. Thank you. We love you. Amen. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes, to see that you're shaping my life. And all I am, and I surrender. Trust what you say That you're good Your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life I need you Soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of me. And all I am, and I Great. I'm broken inside. 
Thanks again for joining us this week. We hope that today has been encouraging for you. We invite you to come back. We'll be here Facebook Live and YouTube Live, same time, 1015 next week. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next week.